to every generation. The broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. If you could open up your uh, book of life to Acts chapter 9. Book of Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Some of you may remember the old TV show Highway to Heaven. Great show. On a regular channel, it wasn't any special Christian channel, it was just on regular TV, and it was uh, regular people going through their day's events or whatever was going on, and there was an angel on the show who would intervene in the lives of the characters of that particular show. Well, tonight's message title is Your Highway to Heaven, and we're only going to look at the first nine verses. Back in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, we first uh, hear the mention of the person named Saul, who later became Paul. And he watched the execution of Stephen. If you remember, he was holding the garments of the witnesses as they stoned Stephen. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. But Stephen's death left a lasting impression on Paul, and we'll see that as the book of Acts unfolds. In Acts 22.20, it says, And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. And that was Paul saying that, that he was consenting to the death of Stephen. A little bit about Saul. He was from Tarsus, which was in Turkey, the central part of Turkey. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, who was one of Jacob's sons. So that was part of Jacob's family tree. His dad was a Pharisee. He strictly followed the law of Moses. Uh, His parents tried to protect him from contamination from the Gentiles. You weren't supposed to interact at all with the Gentiles. They were just dogs. And remember, a Gentile was anybody who was a non-Jew. He was sent to Judea to learn from a rabbi named Gamaliel. He was in that school under that teacher for five to six years. So he, just think of that. He was there 13 to 18 years old until 19 years old, learning under one of these chief rabbis. He mastered Jewish history. He mastered the Psalms and the book of the prophets. He was a tent maker and a Jewish scholar. He could have been at Jesus' trial and his crucifixion. He could, he definitely knew about the resurrection of Christ. He probably heard Peter's sermon at the temple after the lame man was healed. Remember when we looked at that early in Acts. 
He most likely was there when Peter and the apostles were arrested. And Peter talked to Sanhedrin. And then again, when they were freed from prison by the angel of the Lord and brought before the high priest and his council and plotted to kill them. But Saul's teacher stood in. He intervened in the temple at the beginning of Acts, if you remember or recall. And he said to leave these guys alone. If the work was a work of men, it was just going to die out. And if it was a work from God, there's nothing that you can do about it. Paul, again, remember Saul and Paul, same person, was a very stubborn, thick-headed, brutally violent, and relentless. He had great energy and enthusiasm. One thing he lacked was God's love. He had a love for God, but it was bound up in legalism. He was not born again. He was not spirit-filled, nor was he spirit-led. Later on, he traveled with Luke, who wrote the book of Acts that we're looking at now. So Luke was the author. Luke traveled with Saul, who became Paul, later on. And Pastor Joe, this Sunday, is going to be jumping in and starting the book of Luke. So that'll be exciting. Okay, let's take a look, uh, starting with verse 1 of chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So we see here a couple things in just those first couple verses. The first thing is we see the word the way. If you notice that in verse 2. And five times in the book of Acts, the way is mentioned. And right away when I hear that word, the way, you think of the book of John and how Jesus is the way. But this was a term given to the early Christians. You see, Paul, Saul, did not think the way was the right way. He thought they were a cult. He thought they were worshiping a dead God. He thought it was a, a cult against Judaism. And he saw a lot of people going that way, the way. He had to ask the high priest for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Now, Damascus is about 130 miles northeast of Jerusalem. So he had to get permission from the high priest to bring any Christian back to Jerusalem for trial if they had moved to or escaped because of persecution and they went to Damascus. Now, Damascus is in the news today, but I don't know if you're getting that news. I don't know if you're seeing some of the things that are happening in Damascus just the last couple of days, and I'll touch briefly on that in, in a little bit. But Damascus was probably, or is, probably the oldest city in existence today. 
It's still the capital of Syria. And like I said, it's 130 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, the name Jerusalem means the city of peace. But there was no peace going on back when this stuff was happening. And there's no peace in Jerusalem today. And they won't see peace. No matter how many treaties are signed, no matter who's in office here or anyplace else, they're not going to see any peace till the Prince of Peace reigns there during the thousand-year reign. Then we're going to see peace, not only there, but throughout the world. Now, I want to look at Damascus just for probably a minute. There's some trigger points throughout Scripture, one of the trigger points that we're waiting to have happen is Isaiah 17.1, where Damascus is totally destroyed. It's one of the major prophecies that we could see any day now. Any day. Could happen tonight while we're here. The other day, Iran sent a cargo plane loaded with weapons and ammunition, and it landed in Damascus. And they are bracing themselves for an Israeli airstrike because these weapons will be used against Israel. That just happened a couple days ago. And just a few hours ago, the Israel Defense Force, in a ground attack, attacked a number of Hezbollah observation posts by the Syrian-Israeli border in the Golan Heights area. So there's stuff happening over there while everybody is worried about Omicron here. Seriously. It distracts us from what's really happening in the world. Not only in the world, but in the biblical world, the spiritual world. Okay, let's go back to Acts 9, verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus, as you and I know, is is the light of the world. And we see here that he's going after one of his lost sheep. Just like he went after you and me. He's not a respecter of persons. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. The hunter, Saul, hunting Christians, was being hunted. Isn't that awesome? The accuser was being accused. In 2 Peter 3 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How awesome is that statement? God does not want anyone, anywhere, to perish. He wants everybody to come to know Him as His Lord and Savior. Now, Saul, his name means desired. God desires you. God desires me just the way he did Saul. And he's willing to go to the furthest parts of the world 
to grab a hold of your heart. How cool is our God? How great is our God? Now, along your highway to heaven, you're going to have critics. You're going to have doubters. You're going to have persecutors. But it will also have a light to guide you. God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Your highway will also have times of humility. James tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Sometimes God will knock us down because we are traveling our low way instead of his highway. And he wants us to make a U-turn for Christ. He loves us that much that he'll, he'll come right into our lives personally and touch our hearts. Warren Wearsby says in his book of Acts, on Acts, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus was perhaps the greatest event in church history after the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. Wow. Spurgeon said, Paul was a great man, and I have no doubt that on the way to Damascus he rode a very high horse. But a few seconds sufficed to alter the man. How soon God brought him down. In just a few seconds. <laughs> That's awesome. Back to Acts chapter 9, verse 5. And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now a goad was a long pole with a sharp metal tip. It was used by an ox driver to force his ox to move faster. So when the ox was poked by the the goad, sometimes the ox will kick back. And this sharp metal point would dig deeper into him, increasing the pain. Saul's goad was in his mind and his heart as he kept fighting against Jesus and his followers, which just increased his discomfort and his anger. Your highway to heaven will have times you resist and fight God's leading. Verse 6 of chapter 9. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Luke mentions Saul's conversion two more times in Acts chapter 22, verses 6 to 16, and in chapter 26, verses 12 to 18. This story occupies more space in the New Testament than any other except the events surrounding the crucifixion, the death, 
and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, your highway to heaven has two crucial questions. And how you answer these questions will determine how you live your remaining years on this earth and throughout all eternity. Same questions that Saul asked Jesus on that road, on that highway. Who are you, Lord? And Lord, what do you want me to do? A change in an obedient heart as a result of a meeting with Jesus comes with divine assignments. Your highway to heaven is where you have an encounter with Jesus and learn to serve him forever. Which is a definite learning process, isn't it? Oh my goodness. How many of you are still learning? <laughs> Every hand went up in the place. The disciples were asked by Jesus, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Your highway to heaven will have encounters with God where he is going to change you from the person you were to the one he wants you to be. Through adversity, through trials, through sickness and pain, through good times, through health, through life, through death, the range is limitless. Whatever it takes Jesus to reach you, to make you his, you're going to go through. He doesn't let you go. Verse 7 of Acts 9, And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. There will be people in your life that will be impacted by you. Your life will help change those people, and they will see your works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You might not see this all the time, but you need to keep getting up if you're feeling down and be led by God to take your next destination and assignment. There are times God is doing an unseen work in your life. And you're without spiritual sight. You're without spiritual hunger. And you're without spiritual thirst. But I want to give you three things to do. You've got to memorize these three things. You've got to write down these three things. 
whenever these three things happen. Ready? Number one, read his word. Number two, read his word. And number three, read his word. I hope you can memorize that. Remember Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you're spiritually blind and you're spiritually hungry and spiritually thirsty, please take notice of God's promise in Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's coming. It's coming. And our prayer at this staff meeting was that God would keep raising up new warriors like a a Saul or a Paul or a Stephen or a Philip. Or a you. Or a me. That's what we're called to be. Warriors for Christ. It says at the beginning of verse 9, it says, just in that first verse, and Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked, and it says, notice the disciples of the Lord. And then down a little later, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asked, who are you, Lord? And I don't want you to miss this. When he said, Lord, one of the things he was saying was, who are you, God? Who am I speaking to? And notice, Jesus was very specific on who was speaking to him. He said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Stop fighting against me, Saul. Are you and I on that highway where right now we're fighting against some of the things that are going in our life? Maybe fighting against God himself, not understanding why we're going through those things? Well, you're in good company. (laughs) All the Old Testament saints went through it. All the New Testament saints went through it. And if you're here tonight or listening on the internet and you're a believer in Christ, you're going through it. I'm going through it. It's not unique to you or to me. But let's take comfort in knowing that goodness and mercy are following. Jesus is already there ahead of us. Amen. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. 
If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.